Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. As you can hear, we got a new intro going on now, and I think it's fitting. It's the start of a new NBA season. The day that this is being released, Monday, your Sacramento Kings play their first preseason game of the 2021-22 NBA season at home against the defending Western Conference champion Phoenix Suns. I'll be at the game. Excited to be there. Um, If you happen to be going and are listening before that, definitely shoot me a message. I'd be happy to say hi. And yeah, I just cannot wait to be back in Golden One Center, get to watch some Kings basketball. It's an exciting season. And going into the new season, I'm going to try to have a little bit more consistency with this podcast. The plan is to be releasing episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So at midnight on those days, episodes will be released and they'll be ready for you when you guys wake on those three days, potentially more than those. I'm going to be trying to diversify my content a little bit more as well. But yes, today's episode is a format that I'm calling Taking Pulse. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different people that were kind enough to take time to answer a handful of questions prior to this Sacramento Kings season kicking off and some of them are maybe a little bit polarizing at times and that was the point to get some varying opinions you'll hear everybody introduce themselves in a minute here and you're going to know most of the names one person I do want to point out though before going into this is someone that you'll hear in this episode and it's David Hestand I totally apologize because I'm probably butchering your last name you'll hear him say it here as well Um, but he had mentioned that he was hoping to kind of become more prevalent in, in King's Twitter, and I took a look at his Twitter when I saw him mention that. It has a super in-depth NBA draft board going on there, so I figured him having him on the show as well and just wanted to give a little bit of background and, and shout out Devin because he clearly puts in a lot of time and work researching this team. So you're going to hear his takes here mixed in with some other names that you probably will be a little bit more familiar with. But if you're ever interested in being in on one of these episodes I am totally open to that, so feel free to DM me. It's probably easier to DM my Twitter. It's uh, Brendan Nunez NBA rather than the King's Pulse Twitter. If you DM the KP Twitter, I go on that Twitter, but I can't tell you that I'm like monitoring the messages in the same way. So I'm more responsive on my personal Twitter. And if you ever want to be on one of these episodes that I plan on doing at the beginning of every month throughout this NBA season, then definitely let me know. But can't say enough to the group of guys and girls that were willing to take time out of their day to answer these questions for me. And without further ado, let's just get into it. Hi, I'm Bryant West. I'm a staff writer at the King's Herald and a frequent member of the King's Pulse podcast. This is Frankie Cardicelli from Sports 1140 KHTK, co-host of the Return of the Roar podcast with Chris Watkins. You can follow me on Twitter at fcardicelli3. Good luck spelling that. But give it a shot. Hey, my name is Devin. I am a Kings fan for just over the last two years. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Devin Hestand, A-T-C, D-E-V-I-N-H-E-S-T-A-N-D, and then the letters A-T-C. Hey, this is Matt George, host of the Locked On Kings podcast and now with ABC 10 Television in Sacramento. Very happy to be here and be back on one of these. Looking forward to it. Tim Maxwell, I'm a writer at the King's Herald, and my Twitter handle is at Tim Maxwell 22 or more commonly known as the Sacktown Baby Giraffe. 
Chris Watkins, Return of the Roar podcast, KHK Sports 1140. Hey, this is Moran. I am a contributor with the King Herald, and my Twitter handle is at Moran Lolani. My name is Will Griffith. I'm the host of the King's Herald show over at the King's Herald. My Twitter handle is at Will of the People, T-H-A, the. What are you most looking forward to this season? Well, seeing the guard rotation is probably what I'm most excited for, uh, especially the continued growth for De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton as a duo. That's a pretty obvious answer, but the Kings will really go as far as those two can take them, in my opinion. Um, Fox needs to show up on the defensive end of the court, and Tyrese Halliburton needs to show the next level of his versatile game. And if they both take big steps forward, I mean, this team could really improve. Um, I honestly think this will be Fox's first year as an all-star, as long as the Kings' defense keeps them in contention that long. Um, Plus, it's going to be really interesting to see how Luke Walton juggles the guard rotation between Fox, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Davion Mitchell, and Terrence Davis. Uh, On paper, they've got the guard firepower to match up with the opposing guard lines on most nights, but now they just need to prove it. Most looking forward to this season. I'm most looking forward to the three guard lineups. It's pretty much the talk of the town right now. Uh, Who will be a part of those three guard lineups? De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell could see a lot of that. Buddy Heald could take one of those spots as well. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see the Kings run that small ball lineup with Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes. It worked out pretty well for them last year. By pretty well, I mean they probably had like a 32% winning percentage versus like a 25 winning percentage uh seeing that they played pretty well over that little stretch when they had the closing lineup of fox halliburton uh healed barnes and holmes that could be the starting lineup this season but looking forward to seeing more of that especially with a defensive guard like mitchell in the fold i'm most looking forward to seeing the development of some of the younger guys um obviously tyrese he's my favorite player on the team right now so uh Really looking to see if uh, he can really build on that really solid rookie year that he had. Um, and I'm hoping that um, we can improve from uh, 30th in defense last year and uh, make some strides in that area because there's no way we're, uh, we're going anywhere if our defense is the worst in the league again. Oh, man, there's just so much. Uh, I mean, I, probably just the anxiousness to see Davion Mitchell play with the main roster and see – uh, what he can do defensively against top-tier guard talent. Uh, and, I mean, part of that also is assuming that the Golden 1 Center will be full again, which we've all been waiting for, the reaction of the Golden 1 Center to when Davion uh, does pick up full-court defense or, or forces a turnover or gets a stop or just plays with that defensive aggressiveness. And I'm anxious to see if uh, if that wears off or, or, or inspires uh, his, his teammates to play similar levels of defense. So I just overall defensively, I, I expect this Kings team to be better. I'm looking forward to that coming true, or I guess being wrong. <laughs> For me, I think the development and an enhancement of Tyrese Albertin's game, um, I'm, I'm incredibly high on him. Um, I have been since he was drafted. I think he has more star potential than maybe some others realize across the league and even within the fan base. So just getting to watch him grow, um, seeing if a, a if a sophomore year wall hits or if he just continues to just shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, obviously, seeing growth on on one on one defense, he's great in the passing lanes, but we need to see a little bit of growth there. Um, and then 
just seeing how he does as an individual scorer. Um, that's probably that was probably the weakest part of his offensive game last year. So he's a great complementary player, great at finding his teammates, really, 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 really good shooter. But seeing if he can become a go-to scorer for the Kings, which I think they need. Um, obviously, De'Aaron Fox is their number one guy, but they've been looking for a second banana for years. They looked for a second banana with DeMarcus Cousins. It's been years since they really had a one-two offensive punch. Um, and I think De'Aaron Fox, Tyrus Halliburton could become that if Halliburton can really penetrate the lane more, become more of a scorer. So seeing if Halliburton's potential stardom is real, or if he just had a really great rookie uh, rookie season because he was a little bit more seasoned or whatever's there. I just, I'm just really, really looking forward to his campaign. I think just is this current group of guys enough? Um, they obviously didn't, didn't decide to, to go, you know, big sport hunting and, and go out and get uh, Ben Simmons. Uh, that is still is to be determined, but, or to be seen, but, uh, they clearly believe that these that this group of guys is enough to to get them to the playoffs, and um, I, I think I'm starting to talk myself into it. I think um, there's definitely a, a good chance that this that this group of guys can surprise people and give them the kind of uh, you know it's been floated around that these guys have a, a scores kind of uh, feel vibe to them. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm just more excited to see will that actually play itself out. Obviously. Um, that's that's what we look forward to at the start of every season is is all this talk was fun but but now let's see what the on the court product looks like i am most looking forward to just seeing improvements um seeing them take pride in their defense enjoying the game and just bringing that energy that we saw in those training camp videos um and i think if we see that i think wins will follow and i think a lot of those close games that they kind of fall apart in right at the end i think we can flip some of those um if they make just those kind of like small mindset adjustments so i'm really looking forward to seeing that happen and i i think this is the year um so that that's what i'm hoping for and that's what i'm looking forward to the most i think i'm most looking forward to uh that fox halliburton backcourt as many minutes as uh as they can play i'm i'm, I'm willing to eat them up um i wasn't always the uh the biggest uh, Halley believer, even into this uh, coming season. And so uh, I'm really, really, really hoping to see uh, that all-star potential. I want to see him going out there scoring 20, 20 a night and uh, really jumping on the bandwagon of, uh, of Tyrese Halliburton once and for all. How do you feel about the selection of Davion Mitchell at pick nine after summer league? Well, I still believe what I said after the draft. Davion Mitchell is totally a dude who will help this Kings team in many ways. And I understand what they were going for when they took him at number nine. But as I stare at this guard rotation and the lack of wings and forward depth, I still wish the Kings had drafted a young forward instead. Um, I'm not really worried about Mitchell making an impact when he gets on the court because at the very least, you know he's going to bring it on defense. Uh, but my question just is, how does Luke Walton get him as many minutes as, say, Moses Moody would have gotten on this roster? Um, but Mitchell is a king, and those other rookies aren't. And I have no doubt that Mitchell is going to continue to be a blast to root for on a nightly basis like he was in Summer League. Uh, and honestly, few other rookies are probably going to have the locker room impact that Davion will have here. I was very lukewarm on the selection on draft night, mostly because the Kings had been linked to so many different players that were not guards uh, at the four position. 
the power forward position, the center position. Uh, it wasn't until I got to go back and, and I did watch the tournament, but I went back and rewatched some film on the tournament, looked at uh, the game Davion Mitchell can bring to the team and just envision having a guard in the lineup that can be a stopper. The Kings have not had a guy that can just throw out there and say, go shut down uh, the Damian Lillards, the, the Russell Westbrooks, the starting guards on each team that just fill it up with 30 per night. We have a guy now that uh, at least the team thinks and feels good about throwing out there in those situations that they didn't really have in, in the years past. Deeron Fox is a good defensive guard, but uh, he isn't really someone you could say is that's that's an area of his game that he's very strong. And Davion Mitchell is a very strong defender. And uh, I've come to really like the selection, especially now after watching him in the summer league, what he did on his MVP run, mind you. Uh, it's been fun to watch. After summer league, I'm okay with it. Um, there might or might not be a video of me reacting to that uh, that pick um, on my phone somewhere. Um, I really like Davion. Uh, he's the kind of player you need um, when you're b- trying to build a culture and trying to get um, the team to play with energy. So I'm totally okay with him now. Um, I still am not crazy about the fit, and there were some other guys that um, I thought might have fit better than him. But uh, overall, I really like him. Um, it, it's very obvious how much of an effect he's had on the team or, already. Um, yeah, I think uh, even if uh, it doesn't work out with him, he can increase his trade value and uh, hopefully – or not hopefully, but maybe he can get put into a trade somewhere down the line that lands as a star, even if it's not Ben Simmons. I did not like the pick initially, um, and I was very vocal about that on the Lockdown Kings podcast. And the more I thought about it as I as I slept on it, the more I understood that he fit a major team need, even if it wasn't a positional need. Uh, and then what we saw at, at Summer League. Now, I'm not as, as fun as it is for the Kings to be two-time Summer League champions, as fun as it was to see uh, Davion absolutely shut down Peyton Pritchard. I mean, this this is rookie talent in summer league has is not even close to the same level of competition that he's going to be facing. So I really want to see what he's going to do against guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on opening day of the season and the rest of the great guards in the NBA. So that's really going to be the true test for him. But as of right now, I I'm, I'm happy with the selection, heard nothing but good things about him, seen nothing but good things to this point. Uh, so it's impossible not to like the pick at this point. Uh, I feel better than I did on draft night. I don't, think I feel great about it and it's not necessarily even about Davion himself I think he's going to be a solid player in the league um, I don't think his ceiling is as high as some other guys in his range um, I but even beyond ceiling probably my biggest hesitation with Mitchell's uh, drafting by the Kings is Deeron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton right um, how are you going to get this guy enough minutes because if he is a higher ceiling player than I think he's going to be you need him on the cart on the court for you know 32 34 minutes a game that's tough to do with both Fox and Halliburton um, on the floor, seeing as how they're all guards. Um, and then if he's, of course, not as good as you hope him to be, then that's just not a great um, outcome. So just seeing really where he fits within this team, I think culturally he's going to be great. Uh, defensively, he's going to be very good. We saw that in Summer League. And even though Summer League, we all know, isn't the cream of the crop of the NBA, um, he's still playing against grown men. Um, and he, And he performed at a very, very high level. He took on a couple of fellow lottery picks that were supposed to be great offensive players and pretty much shut them down. So just, I'm not 
anti-Davion Mitchell by any means. This is not a Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic situation. Um, at the same time, I'm probably a little lower on the actual selection than some others, not necessarily the player, but just the fit, how that's going to work out over the next four to eight years. Um, it could be great. He could become our Marcus Smart or you know another six-man ultra role player, um, someone who can come off the bench or potentially start and really drive the team forward. Um, but there's just some question marks there that I don't think we're going to see answered for a while. Definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better than I was on draft day, that's for sure. Um, on draft day, I'm, I can't lie, Davion wasn't, wasn't one of my top selections for the team. Um, I, like most people, was Moses Moody, uh, you know, um, Franz Bogner. And, uh, you know, they, they went with Davion, and, and I was very surprised. I didn't think, A, they would do it, and B, I didn't think it was the right selection. But, you know, with, with time and with what we've seen from him in summer league, I'm starting to convince myself and that, you know, the work ethic that we've all heard about and the way that his, his teammates speak about him, um, I'm starting to really turn a corner on him. And, uh, you know, I, he definitely still has some questions offensively. I think uh, that's going to be the place where he definitely is going to have to, to get better and really earn his minutes there because, you know, in an ideal world, it's nice to say that he can play. 25 minutes a game coming in on his rookie season just uh, just off of defense. But uh, the reality is we, we, we saw it with uh, Corey Joseph. If you're just giving nothing offensively, it's you, you, you really are a liability. And, and you know, we, we can't just give out playtime like that. I like it. I think it shows a continuity to Monty's vision of making this a defensive team. Davion has clearly shown he's here to work on the defensive end. Um, and I really appreciate how that aligns with what Monty has been preaching. Um, so it definitely feels good that what we're hearing from the GM and what we're seeing on the court is kind of matching up. I'm still a little skeptical. I'm less skeptical than I was before. Um, um, draft night came and my buddy recorded me um, watching the Kings pick their pick. And uh, I've, so he's got a recording somewhere on his phone of me saying some words that uh, uh, start with F and end with K and uh, me being very quizzical about what was going on. Um, after summer league, I feel like I understand a little bit better why he was picked. Um, I, I still don't see the the ceiling necessarily for him on this particular team. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, he, he's an exciting defensive player. He's a, He's a growing offensive player, and I'm and I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him prove me wrong. This this whole season, everything is about proving proving my own thoughts wrong. And uh, so uh, so Davian's got a long ways to go, but I'm I'm excited to see it. Are you in favor of chasing after Ben Simmons? Absolutely, as long as that trade doesn't involve De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Ben's defense would be a game changer for Sacramento, and depending on who got shipped in in the deal. Uh, I think getting Simmons absolutely puts the Kings in real contention for a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, uh, or at least to be a favorite to win the play-in tournament. Um, a Fox, Halliburton, Simmons core moving forward is talented and versatile on both ends. That said, if Daryl Morey demands Fox or Halliburton in the, in the deal, I'm comfortable seeing Simmons go elsewhere. I'd rather have those two moving forward. Today, I'm where I stand on the Ben Simmons thing is, uh, and Chris and I, we talked about it on our last podcast, how we're just kind of overhearing about it. Uh, it's, it just seems like it would have happened already. You see the reports from Sam Amick of the athletics and the team, and maybe that's just a smoke screen, but 
that the Kings and, and Sixers have not talked in six plus weeks. Would I be open to the Kings getting Ben Simmons? Absolutely. Especially if the price is Buddy Heald, a Marvin Bagley, a couple first round picks by a couple. I mean, maybe two in a pick swap. Uh, ben Simmons is a great player. You can't really say no to, to adding a talent like that who's under control and as young as he is at 25. And the Kings could utilize Ben Simmons in so many different ways. He can play one through five pretty much if, if it comes down to it. If the Kings have an offer on the table that Daryl Morey is going to accept, I'm all for it, but it just seems like that's not going to be the case right now. And uh, that could change. Ben Simmons' pockets are getting a little light, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I'm okay with it as long as we don't set ourselves back uh, making the move. I'll be honest, I do worry about spacing if – uh, we include Buddy in the trade. He was our only three-point um, shooter for um, from volume last year. Um, if they don't end up trading for him, I think Monero is going to still have to make some kind of move this year. This roster just isn't balanced well at all. Uh, we need more wings that can actually play a little defense. Um, but obviously everyone's expecting McNair to try and make a uh, move for a big name. Um, I could see Carl Anthony Towns or Beal. Um, being one of those names down the line, if uh, the Ben Simmons trade doesn't work out, I just threw those into um, into trade NBA, and they we have the requisite uh, contracts to get both those guys. I mean, whether or not that happens is still up in the air, but I think those are the names you might see if uh, if we don't end up landing Ben. I am in favor of chasing after Ben Simmons as long as the package is right. Now I've been very supportive of Monty McNair naming his price or naming it as far as he is going to go uh, in, in a package to give up Ben Simmons or to give up to get Ben Simmons and sticking to that. And there's no reason to me uh, why the Kings need to continue negotiating with the Philadelphia 76ers when that line uh, has been set. And it sounds like both teams haven't been communicating because the Sixers know that, that Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox aren't going to be a part of that deal. Maybe even Davion Mitchell is not going to be a part of that deal. So I appreciate Monty sticking to his guns there, although I do think Ben Simmons would be a fantastic addition to this Kings team. Instantly uh, makes them a playoff team, not a play-in team, but a playoff team, in my opinion, assuming Harrison Barnes or, or Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley would be the biggest names that you would give up in this deal along uh, with draft picks. Uh, I, I know Kings fans aren't necessarily, he's not the sexiest option out there, but he's a all NBA defender, uh, multiple time all-star, and he's exactly what the Kings have been looking for in many ways. Offensively, of course, there are pitfalls. There's no perfect option. If there was, he wouldn't be available anyways. His name's LeBron James and he's not coming to Sacramento. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think Tony Zavteris of, of the Kings Herald mentioned this a long time ago, and it really stuck with me. I don't even remember if we were talking about Ben Simmons or, or another big name. Uh, we all know it's been 15 years since the Kings made the playoffs. We're looking at potentially a 16th year. And in those 15 years, the Kings have tanked. The Kings have fired coaches, hired coaches. Um, I cannot tell you how many times we have signed a veteran player and said that they have a championship pedigree or they're a locker room leader or whatever. And that's why I'm kind of calloused against those descriptions even for this year with guys like Tristan Thompson and Alex Len um the one thing we've never done is trade for a really good player in 15 years uh probably the closest is Rudy Gay and Rudy Gay was good like he was a good starting caliber player he wasn't an all-star right he was kind of that next tier down um kind of where De'Aaron Fox is now but a little bit lower than that even so 
we've never traded for an all-star in 15 years. Um, and, and that just, why not try it? Right? Like the Kings aren't going to tank. That's just not, it's not an option. And, and honestly, after 15 years of failing tanking for three or four years or two years, when you have Darren Fox and you have Tyrese Halliburton, when you have Davion Mitchell, I just don't think it's particularly realistic with, with Fox now on his max contract. He signed Rashawn Holmes to a big deal, obviously. So where else do you go? Right. And sure you could wait and see what happens, but all stars don't come up for grabs that often. Defensive player of the year candidates don't come up for grabs that often. I think as as many warts as Simmons has, and he certainly has them both on court and off court, there are concerns. Um, the Kings need defense, and he's he's probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA, at least the most versatile. He can guard one through four. Sometimes he can guard five. Um, he's always in the running for defensive player of the year. I think his game complements De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, at least defensively. Offensively, there's, of course, some question marks. But again, when you look at this team and you go, we won 31 games last year on a 35-win pace in an 82-game season, and we didn't really change that much, uh, where where are these 10 wins going to come from? Or where are these 9 wins going to come from? Where are these 12, 15 wins going to come from? Ben Simmons gives you 7 or 8, probably, if you're swapping him out for what we think we would swap him out for. So, um, And he's locked up, right? That's always the other concern is... Typically, when you're trading for an all-star, you know, Victor Oladipo last year, not that he was at an all-star level, um, or a couple of other guys that have been trading the last few years, they've always been on expiring contracts. They've had one year left. So now you're scrambling to overpay them or to max them out to keep them. Simmons is locked up for multiple years. And so you can grow that core of Fox, Halliburton, Simmons, whatever it is, Holmes, and and really make a run at this thing. So I, I can't, as, lo- as long as we're not giving a Fox and Halliburton, I will put that caveat in there. There's nothing else I would not give up in a chase for Ben Simmons. Yes, I am. Um, chasing the chasing word scares me because, you know, I, I am afraid to to give away too much for him because I do believe that Philly at the end of the day does have to get rid of him. Um, understanding that it's going to take definitely some some heavy capital. Um, if it's two draft picks and some swaps, um, and, you know, there's, of course, the, the Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald element to it. If that includes a Davion Mitchell, I think that's that's I'm willing to part with that. But um, that's kind of where the line stops with me. I, I understand that Tyrese and, and De'Aaron would definitely get the deal done for Philadelphia. But um, I just don't think that in the situation that it's in right now, that you need to leverage that much of your future to uh, to essentially get another role at the dice. I mean, Ben Simmons, I'm, I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. I think he would improve the team overnight, but I don't know if I'm willing to, to leverage so much of the future on, you know, him, him coming in and saving the franchise, because uh, I do think that, you know, Ben Simmons does require a special team, you know, a, a, a lot of specific players around him. And I don't think uh, necessarily that Darren Fox and Ben Simmons would work out great. So I think they would have to figure that out. And that could, that's a whole nother can of worms that can be a whole nother question. You probably already know my answer to this one. Um, And it's not at great cost. No, I think if we could get a good deal, um, yes, obviously, like I would want Ben Simmons, but I don't think we need to, lose you know a bunch of our core pieces for him now i'm 100 percent in favor of chasing after ben simmons no doubt in my mind 
So if Simmons were to go elsewhere, does the team need to find a different big move to make this season? I mean, I assume that they will. Um, I know they're determined to be a playoff team, and this squad is currently built maybe a play-in contender, but I have my doubts that they'd make the final eight. Um, so if Ben Simmons goes elsewhere, I expect Monty will just keep biding his time, waiting for that big trade to open up, just maybe with more urgency. That all said, if the Kings just decided to be a normal rebuilding team, see what offers are available for the veterans, come to the trade deadline, you know, I wouldn't complain. I know I'm probably alone in being fine with another trip to the lottery. Uh, I just doubt that's what the Kings would ever decide to do. I was looking today uh, when I when you when I saw that question to see if there are any other players that the Kings could go after that maybe are going to be impending free agents or have a year or two left on their deals. Um, I, I don't know if there are any other realistic trades to our eyes, of course. You know, Monty McNair could be moving like a ninja out there and could make some things happen that we don't hear anything about. Uh, but it, it just seems like this this team. Until there's a move made, whether it's Buddy Heald moved, Harrison Barnes, these could happen uh, simultaneously as in finding a talent that is making that kind of money. But their their hands are kind of tied as far as adding more salary. Is As you can see, the Ben Simmons deal probably would work out if Buddy Heald wasn't making $24 million. Maybe Daryl Morey's more you know, susceptible to accepting that trade if, if the money works out more. But uh, the Kings do need one of those big hitters to become a, a winning team. and. Who is that player? I don't know. I think if we knew, uh, we wouldn't be sitting here looking forward to a, a, another uncertain King season. But I, I do think they do need to make a big move. What is that move? I wish I knew. I wish, uh, I mean, I'm sure Monty McNair wishes he knew too, but we'll see what happens. I think they do. Um, I don't want them to rush the move, but uh, I think that they need to make a big change. It depends on where they're at at the trade deadline, in my opinion. I don't think they need to, but that might change depending upon where they are in the standings at the deadline. I do believe that the Kings are going to be very aggressive and very active come the trade deadline. I do believe that Buddy Gilden, Harrison Barnes, and maybe even Marvin Backley are going to be right back on the block. And we see every single year players that aren't available at the start of the season suddenly become available at the deadline itself. So I expect the Kings to be very active there. If they're on the cusp of the plan, or maybe they're in the plan conversation within a few games or actually having one of those spots and trying to hold it, I think they're fine staying put. But if they're really interested in actually, maybe they're in a sixth or fifth seed spot. And I, this is like best case scenario that they're in a spot like that. They've been playing really well and they need to hold on to that. And they're looking to actually compete in a, in a regular seven game or best of seven game series in the playoffs. That's when they need, need to make a big move. But I, that feels like jumping a little too far up the ladder. I don't think they're there yet. If they want to win, yes. Um, and, and that seems to be the direction they're headed. I think last trade deadline when we didn't execute on Barnes and Holmes and Buddy trades and you know all of those things, we could have gone the direction of rebuilding and Monty McNair chose not to. Not to say we couldn't turn around today and do it. Uh, but with Holmes locked up on the big deal, Fox locked up on his max contract, it just becomes harder and harder to to skate that line because money is important in a rebuild. Cash is important in a rebuild and we won't have it. We won't have cap space unless we do some crazy things. So 
if you want to win, you got to chase that big name. And I don't know if it necessarily needs to be a Ben Simmons level all-star, you know, whatever. Is it a Miles Turner, right? Is it one of those other players that we've all talked about over the last year who could potentially become available? The Kings need an, a talent infusion. I think they built up their bench a little bit better this offseason, especially compared to what Monty McNair did in his first offseason. But there are still missing pieces. Um, frankly, we don't have a fifth starter, right? We've got Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Holmes. And you can slide in Buddy at the three undersized. You can slide in Harkless at the three who can't shoot and is not quite the right fit. You can slide in Terrence Davis who's undersized. You can push Barnes to the three and start Bagley or Thompson. And now you're oversized and you don't have any floor spacing. So we're missing a fifth starter. So if, if we could at least solve the fifth starter problem and have a quality wing or forward come in, um, I think that's that's solving a lot of problems for you and that's advancing this team another step. So I do think we need to chase something or someone. doesn't necessarily need to be an all-star because those just don't happen very often. To me, that's the question. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of relates to what I said in the first one. Um, I would like to see it. The problem is, Who's it going to be? I think, um, you know, there, there's no, you know, Damian Lillard is a name that's still floated out there. I don't know if Sacramento necessarily is, is the spot for him. I think in that situation, you're definitely going to have to get rid of a De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, I, I, I think every, every, the problem with, uh, you know, trying to get that, that big name is that you got to, give up something. And I'm not sure if anybody really wants anything besides De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to try and get a big name, that's just the nature of how it is. And uh, it's either that Kings fans are going to have to, and myself are going to have to start to accept that reality or, uh, or I don't know, we might just keep on waiting. I'm willing to wait and see how the start of the season goes with this squad. Um, if it's more or less the same as last season, then yes, I would say we need a change, a big change. If uh, if uh, Luke Walton is uh, hoping to save his job, they're probably going to need to. Uh, Monty McNair is kind of uh, signaled time and time again that he's looking for a big move. I don't necessarily think he loses his job at the end of the season if they don't have one. Uh, but I, I do think that without the playoffs this season, that Luke Walton's seat is incredibly hot, if not just completely incinerated. And um, I, I wouldn't say it's 100% necessary, but I would say that it's uh, 75% necessary that they find somebody this season and they do so before the All-Star break. How many wins do you predict this season, and is it enough to make the playoffs? My prediction is 40 wins, which would sadly be the most wins in 13 seasons. Uh and I would bet that they get a spot in the playing tournament. Um, I can't say that I bet on them to win the playing tournament and earn that playoff spot, but I certainly think it's possible if Fox and Halliburton take those next steps forward. Uh, but honestly, the West is just too good and too many things have to go exactly right for me to bet on Sacramento over the rest of the teams there, like Los Angeles teams, Phoenix, Denver, Utah, Golden State, Dallas, and even teams in their own tier like Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, and New Orleans. I mean, that's 12 teams right there, including the Kings. And while I'm sure that Sacramento will be better than some of those teams, it's just hard for me to bet on Sacramento being better than five of those teams. I was seeing, I think Kevin Fippen and Carmichael Dave and uh, these guys were having a, a conversation about is the, the play-in postseason or the playoffs, the play-in 
I'll say they have a chance of making the postseason. By the postseason, I mean they have a chance of finishing top 10. Uh, I think the Kings will win. I'm going to put them at 40 wins, just a little bit below 500. Uh, I might be being a little, little, you know, overly positive in this thinking process, but I, I just, I think the team is a better roster than last year on, on opening night last year. They weren't very deep. You had Glenn Robinson on the bench, Hassan Whiteside, Corey Joseph. Uh, this year, the, the Kings added a bunch of defense and Davion Mitchell, Mo Harkless, Alex Len. Tristan Thompson isn't really a, a, an incredible defender, but he's a great rebounder that the Kings can add to the fold. He's going to do a lot more than Hassan Whiteside did last season. Uh, that's for sure. But I, I like the Kings' depth. I think they're deep at, at most positions that are not small forward. And, and Marvin Bagley, I, I'm expecting big things from him. Chris and I were talking about uh, the fact that he could be the catalyst for the team. If Marvin Bagley has a big season, the Kings could have a big season. That could be asking a lot, but it's it's not quite now or never for him. But the Kings need him to be good this season. He's that other big piece. And if that can happen, and I hope it will, the Kings will surprise some people. So I actually went through and I kind of just totaled up the wins losses last night. Um, I came up with a 40 and 42 as being my predicted outcome for wins for us. Um, I think that might be enough to get us into the nine or 10 seed for the playing game. I don't really consider that the playoffs. Um, if, uh, if you look back and look at Luke's coaching career, he's very consistent at being um, an extremely mediocre coach. So um, 40 and 42 is actually well above his uh, record for his whole career. Um, I think we can make that jump just with some of the, the defensive players and some of the, the role players that we've added, but I don't see us making a huge jump. I don't know if I've thought of what an actual number is going to be. It's nice that we're getting back to an 82 game season. So, you know, I'm just going to say for the sake of this, I'll say 500. So I'm going to say 41 uh, and 41. And I think 500 is good enough to be the eighth seed or like the seventh seed at, at the absolute best. But even then it, it might not be enough. So I think this, this Kings team is going to be around 500 by the time the season's over. And, and I believe that'll land them in the play in. And then at that point, who cares what the record is? Cause it's, it's single elimination games to, to get yourself into the playoffs itself. I don't, I don't know if this Kings team as it stands right now, if they've done enough to actually make the playoffs through the play in, but if they're not at least in the play-in picture, then it's been a it's it's a failure of a season with this group in my mind. So I threw this out on Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, so I'll keep to my 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 Twitter prediction, which was 39 games. It's a four-game improvement from last season and an 82-game pace. Um, Kings could do better. Like I don't I don't think that's their ceiling by any means. But when you think about injuries, you think about things that can go wrong, <clears throat> chemistry issues on the court. Um, you know, we don't have a starter, a fifth starter, whatever it is. I think there's going to be internal improvement from Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Davion Mitchell will, will contribute on the defensive end. I'm not so sure about that offensive end of the court. The center rotation is better. But improving from bad to average, like in your center rotation and kind of towards your bench when your starters aren't good enough, isn't going to carry you that far. Um, as far as is it good enough for the playoffs, I think they'll make the plan. That's my guess. I'm guessing they're going to be the 10th seed. That's my prediction. Where they'll go from there, I, I certainly hope they win the play-in game and playing games and, and make it all the way to the playoffs. But I think that'll get them in that 9-10 range. 
I don't know if I necessarily have a number. If you want me to give you a number, uh, it's it's 82 games, correct? This season, are they are they going the full 82? Cool. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll say uh, I'll say 41 and 41. I mean, that's that seems easy, uh, or it seems like a cop out because it's kind of it's obviously 500. It's in the middle, but um, let's not forget that this team hasn't won 40 games in I don't even know how long. Uh, it would be a nine game improve or 10 game improvement on last season. Um, so that's, that's nothing to scoff at. I just, you know, I, I, I would hope that that makes it to the eight or nine seed. Um, and you know, again, what, you know, what, what are we, I, I don't realistically know what, what the team's goals. I know they're trying to make the playoffs. I don't know if, uh, if the play in is going to be, is going to be sufficient enough for the team, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think they could be good, but I, I, I would say 41 and 41 is, is definitely, uh, is definitely, uh, being generous. It was tough for me to come up with a number on this one, just because I want to believe that there's been a mindset change happening with the additions of Davion and Doug Christie and obviously the development of Fox and Halliburton. Um, but I also know better than not to believe it until I see it. So if I kind of split the middle of those two feelings, I think I land on 39. And with 39 wins, I don't think they'll be in the playoffs. Um, I just think the West is too strong. I uh, I got a lot of heat for this the other day when I went on D'Lo and Casey. And uh, I, I, I'm not predicting 40-plus wins. I'm not predicting even 37-plus wins. I think, I, I think I'm predicting right around 35 wins. I could see them going as high as 36. I could see them falling as low as 31, uh, depending on injuries and uh, the trades that do or don't happen. Uh, but um, no, it, I don't see the Kings making the playoffs. I see the Kings fighting for that 10th seed coming into the uh, the final round, and uh, and it's a crapshoot from there. What are your thoughts on Money McNair's tenure so far in Sacramento? You know, I don't love uh, the entirety of the squad he's put together entering his second full season, but one of the few real criticisms that I have for him is that he's tied himself and the success of this team to Luke Walton, uh, who I continue to doubt as the coach who gets this team anywhere meaningful. Um, I also think he's probably holding on to his chips a bit too long waiting in that middle lane to go all in on a big splashy trade when I would have just preferred to see him do a more true reset of the roster and build around Fox and Halliburton last year. But I understand what he's going for. And if he's able to pull off a trade for Ben Simmons or another fringe all-star, I think this team is poised to take a real step forward. But if they don't, or he doesn't manage to get that big trade he's banking on, I think his seat is going to be pretty warm going into next summer. I think Monty came into a situation. He kind of came in uh, with his mop bucket and had to clean up Vladi Divac's mess that he left behind and, uh, the, the first season, I know he was really quiet. He didn't make many moves. While the moves he's made in year two have been pretty minuscule as far as uh, only the draft pick and the, the lower level free agent signings like Alex Len, swinging a trade for Tristan Thompson. Uh, I do like his thought process as far as, hey, our defense sucks. We need to add more defense. Pretty easy, right? But the Kings, for whatever reason, when, when Vladi was at the helm, could not get those guys in that were those defensive stoppers. Uh, Davion Mitchell was a great pick. I think almost nobody, virtually nobody, had the Kings selecting him at, at nine. Um, 
And Monty McNair has, has a chance this year to, to silence the naysayers. If the Kings have a successful season, it's going to go back to Monty McNair. And, and some people might not want to hear it, but it might go to Luke Walton as well if they can find a way to make this team uh, even remotely successful. I'm still giving him some time. Um, I graded this last offseason as a C-. minus. Um, I really liked that we were able to bring Rashawn back. That, that proved a lot. But also, I felt like we just brought back pretty much the same team that had the worst defense in the league last year. And uh, I don't think that role players that are going to play 15 to 20 minutes a night will make as huge a difference as maybe some people might think. Um, so I think that he's waiting to make a big splash, and that'll add to his grade for me. He's had two off seasons now, so if uh, if this team continues to lose, I can see his seat getting hot. I'm still giving him a little bit of time because I, I like that he is trying to build culture and trying to keep some consistency, even if it's with a below-average coach and Luke Walton. I think he's trying to minimize changes because I think that's just when – um, everything falls apart when we're changing coaches every year. I have questions, and I also appreciate what he's done. I think the majority of what Monty McNair has done in Sacramento has been positive, uh, given the fact that he's really only had one full offseason and then half an offseason. I was not a fan, and still am not a fan, uh, of the decision to let Bogdan Bogdanovich walk for nothing. Um now, I understand why he didn't make that move and financially why it would have complicated things even more to make a, a move to re-sign Bogey or to match the offer that the Atlanta Hawks gave him. But when you're a team like Sacramento, and I know Monty's coming from Houston where things are a little bit different, but when you're a team like Sacramento who really only acquires talent through trades and through the draft to let one of your top players who was acquired through a trade on draft day go for nothing – that's a tough pill to swallow here in Sacramento. So I'm, that's probably the biggest negative that I have with him. Uh, it would have been an even bigger negative if the Kings had lost Rashawn Holmes and not tried to trade him at the deadline last season, but they were able to re-sign him. That was a gamble that paid off for Monty. I really like the moves that he made uh, at the trade deadline last year. And I think the way the team still competed, even with so many injuries at the end of the season, uh, is shows props to that. Uh, and I like the moves that he's made this offseason. The, the pieces that the Kings have acquired. And I like that he's keeping the Kings aggressive in trade rumors, but not willing to give up everything for a bad all-in gamble. So I would say about 80, 80 to 85% approval rating right now for Monty McNair. I am unimpressed, but also not wildly disappointed. Um, he just hasn't done much. I, I, I'm working on an article, and I'm not sure if it'll ever come to life because sometimes you work on an article and then you realize the 300 words you wrote are the only 300 words that are there for that article. Um, but just about the fact that, you know, the door could swing either way for Monty McNair because he just hasn't done much. I think he's done one kind of egregiously bad thing, which is keep Luke Walton for two consecutive seasons. And I think he's done one really great thing, which was drafting Tyrese Halliburton. And if you want to trash Monty, you can look at the Luke Walton decision and go, oh man, I can't believe he picked a bad coach two times in a row. And you can swing that direction, right? You can swing the direction of we haven't, we won 31 games the year before he took over. We won 31 games the year he, his first year, we didn't make any improvements. If you want to really boost Monty McNair, you can talk about Tyree and sorry. And if you want to trash Monty McNair, you can say, well, Tyrese Halliburton was the obvious pick at 12. So how much credit does he really get? If you want to, praise Monty McNair, you can say, hey, 
we got a top three rookie at the 12th pick, right? I mean, that's huge. We got a potential star to put next to De'Aaron Fox. We didn't necessarily expect that to be the case in last year's draft. We drafted Davion Mitchell, who looks great in summer league. We haven't spent any money. Sure, we haven't won any more games, but we haven't gone backwards either. And you can you know, blame ownership for Luke Walton if you want. So um, because he really hasn't had a signature moment yet, I think I think it's really hard to judge his tenure. All that being said, to round up that to round out that question, um, there's no more warm-up time for Monty McNair, right? Every GM that kind of comes in, we give him a year, you know, we say, okay, well, this isn't his roster, this isn't his coach, this isn't his his plan. So he needs time, whoever the GM is, to to deconstruct whatever was on the menu and then build a new menu. And Monty McNair has chosen to not do that. He has chosen for the most part to keep this team as is. Um so this next season, this this the rest of this offseason, as short as it's going to be, and through the trade deadline, is really probably where I'll land in a firm place when it comes to Monty McNair. If we are post-trade deadline, hovering five games below 500, and we haven't made a big move, then I will really, really be disappointed in Monty McNair. If, if we trade for Ben Simmons or we make another move, or heck, if I'm just wrong, right? If this is the team, this team can do what they think it can do and they can make the seventh seed on their own without making any major changes. And if I'm wrong, that's great too. Um, but yeah, just so far, I'm unimpressed because there hasn't been any, nothing has been accomplished in my mind. Um, one good, big, big, good move swings me very positive. One bad move swings me very negative, just because there hasn't been much there. I'll answer that in like two ways. I think there's the Monty McNair that lives in Universe B, where all these hypothetical trades, or not even hypothetical, the Bogdan Bogdanovich for DiVincenzo trade goes through, and the Buddy Heald for for um, the Lakers package goes through. And I think in, in that universe, we think of Monty McNair in a t- completely different light. We're probably very excited. Unfortunately, the reality of the situation is this universe that we're living in here where neither of those deals went through. We know that they were lined up, but they didn't happen. And honestly, that's kind of what's been Monty McNair's tenure here is just we're waiting for him to really put his stamp on the team. Uh, I've kind of joked that this team is kind of like a marriage of the last two teams or two seasons. Uh, there's not really, you know, there's Mo Harkless that he picked up from Terrence Davis, of course, but, um, you know, with the bringing back Alex Len and stuff like that, it's kind of just like, I don't know. It doesn't really feel like Monty has really put his stamp on the team yet. So incomplete, I guess would be my grade. I get why people feel like he hasn't done enough. And when you look at the main parts of this roster, I definitely start to lean that way. But I also do appreciate that he has so far shown continuity in his moves. Um, He's always said that defense is his main priority. And I think his moves have shown that, you know, drafting Halliburton and Davion um, and possibly going after Ben Simmons. So I'm willing to wait and see how this season goes before making any big judgments on Monty. Uh, I think it's pretty uh, lackluster. I'm not saying he's a bad general manager. I I do think he's a competent general manager. I just think that his plan right now has taken, it's required a lot of patience and probably too much patience for what he's done, which is kind of build around the edges as he waits for a a big move to strike. Um, 
he's one of those guys that six months from now, I could be saying, oh, man, I've actually really loved the way he built this team. It just took longer than I expected. Or it could be one of those things that six months from now, I go, what the hell were they thinking picking this guy? He's he's done nothing. He's, he's continued to do nothing. He's wasted deadlines. He's wasted this and that. And he's, he's made a couple of good little moves, and he's made some uh, some baffling moves. I think his, obviously, to his credit, his drafts have been pretty great. Outside of that, it's been more than mediocre, less than mediocre. Um, um, and so I, I kind of wait. I, I think it's, I think he's fine. He's competent, uh, but n- nothing to, to write home about or get excited about just yet. Last one for you. What's your coping mechanism when the Kings or your other sports teams start to struggle? Uh, for me, it's a tall glass of bourbon. You asked me this question on a day where my baseball team, the New York Yankees are, staring the possibility of ruining their season uh, by getting swept by the Tampa Bay Rays if they lose tomorrow and missing the wild card. So uh, how I cope when my teams are doing this to me, um, number one, having a beverage. That always helps. Uh, Number two, watching The Office. Uh, I watch a lot of The Office when I'm having a rough day. Today could be one of those days, maybe some parks and rec. Uh, Turning sports off. It it doesn't help me if if – the Kings or the Yankees are playing poorly and I flip on another game. It just, it doesn't help. So my advice to you out there, Kings fans, if you're having a rough time, just turn it off. Don't give it the energy. Things have been bad for almost 20 years now. Just, you know, give it a, give it a minute. There's bigger things in the world to worry about. Uh, the way I cope, I will usually hop on NBA 2K and, uh, Try and beat the team we just lost to. Um, my wife says I'll probably try and eat my feelings too, so I might order a pizza or something like that. But, uh, yeah, probably not the healthiest thing to do. But um, those are what I like to do, um, 2K and a pizza or some kind of uh, comfort food. That's a great question. Coping mechanism. Probably just laughing, trying to have fun, um, trying to – I mean, honestly, doing Locked on Kings podcast and being able to connect with other fans and being able to connect to other people through sports, even when like the majority of the teams that I, I grew up supporting have been bad for a while. In fact, I've, I've never seen any of my teams besides the, the Sacramento Republic FC actually win a championship in my lifetime. So I'm, I'm more used to losing than I am winning, at least in my own fandom. Um, but still being able to connect with different people that I wouldn't otherwise connect with. And I, honestly, I think a, a coping mechanism, too, is even though the Sacramento Kings have been so bad for so long, like the the Golden One Center is a phenomenal place to play. The atmosphere is always great. Um, and the fact that a team that has been so bad and has struggled so much still draws that that kind of crowd. I mean, that's what it was the old Arco Thunder that made me fall in love with the game of basketball and, and professional basketball to begin with. And then I, I the game came in addition to that. So Sacramento's loyalty, the loyalty of the fan base, the energy of that fan base uh, is really a coping mechanism, even if it's pumping up a fourth quarter of a game that the Kings are inevitably going to lose. Um, man, I write, I tweet. You, I know someone's going to be shocked that I tweet when I'm upset, but that's what I do. Um, I write a lot and a lot of the stuff I write never hits print online print, I guess you could say, because sometimes it's just me writing in the notes on my phone, like, here's how to fix this situation. And then I go back and read it the next day. I'm like, well, yeah, duh, we need more talent. Like, how many times do I need to write that this season? Um, but I write a lot, tweet a lot. Not a big 
alcohol consumer or any other consumer of any other goods. So that doesn't really help me a glass of bourbon every once in a while. Um, but yeah, it's just, for me, it's, it helps me to try and fix things, even if I know they're not fixable. Right. So even if I'm like, we need to fire Luke Walton. I don't know how many times I said that last year. It helps me just process that we have Luke Walton as our coach and then I get over it until the next game and then it all restarts. So yeah, just tweeting, writing, um, playing PlayStation, you know, every on occasion, if it's like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and we're down 19 and just, there's no defense being played. I'll just, I'll turn the game on to my phone. So that way I can say I watched it and then throw on some war zone or something and, and shoot some people and feel better. I am just convinced that I'm cursed. See, <laughs> so I guess it's just it's just believe that it's I, it's I don't even know because I, I'm a sport, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, I love football, love basketball. Um, I'm starting to to learn to love baseball again. I love uh, European soccer. It's just every team I pick it just loses. I don't know why. Um, I'm a massive Minnesota Vikings fan. They've never won the Super Bowl. I just saw. A graphic the other day that said they've made the playoffs fifty percent of their uh, of their franchise history. Never made the Super, never won the Super Bowl. Um, so I guess it's just that it's just blaming myself, and it's not. It's really not even their fault. It's just I can't. I physically cannot have nice things. <laughs> I write about it. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> I think. Um, and then also just commiserating, you know, with our Kings Herald community. It definitely helps to know that we're all in it together and we're going to get through this together and we'll get to celebrate together one day. Uh, well, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have uh, been writing previews at the Kings Herald for five years. And so I have the unique ability to just go in. And when I decide I want to write a preview in which I'm uh, annoyed with the direction of the team, I can write about being annoyed with the direction of the team. If I'm uh, pissed off, I can, I can be pissed off in my writing. Um, Outside of that, I have a, a, a loving partner who uh, uh, who will say, OK, let's go shoot hoops. You know, let's let's go take the edge off at the gym. Let's go. Let's go uh, uh, do something other than talk about basketball. And um, so um, it's it's mostly it's mostly writing out my feelings or uh, angrily throwing basketballs at a rim somewhere. And that's a wrap on the October 2021 version of taking pulse here on king's pulse like i said going to be doing this monthly and this one comes right before the same day of the start of the 2021-22 nba season for the sacramento kings and as always the coverage at king's herald is great and just going to be getting better and more often as the season gets in full effect here myself a couple of the guys you heard on here as well moran and all the other great writers that are a part of the website so be sure to check out the patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days